Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's show, we're going to be looking at the comedy categories at this year's Emmys, as well as a YP update. And Ben's going to let us know what's up with The Boys. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Then on Friday, The Boys Season 2 dropped, and what can you tell us? <laughs> well, spoiler alert, Leo spoiled it for you. The Boys Season 2 is out. Um, <laughs> three episodes, though. I think the big the big news this season, other than the fact that it's very much the same show it was, if uh, a little more focused on some of the key political and social movements of our time uh, is that they, they are not releasing everything all at once. Amazon prime made the decision to go uh, pseudo weekly with their rollout in that they, they pushed out the first three and then they'll have one episode a week until I think there's only eight in both seasons. So until the eighth episode hits and then it'll, then it'll be done. Um, uh, which I think will actually work. Tale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it'll actually the Lasso. work. All the shows are doing it. Well, Apple's a a devout weekly (laughs) rollout network slash streamer, so God bless them. But uh, welcome to the club, Amazon. This is how it should be done. If you have a good show, you should give it some room to breathe. So, do you like the front loading? Do you like the three episodes? Um, no. (laughs) I I like I like the hard and fast one a week uh, that has been the traditional vibe. I understand why they do it. I know you want to give get people hooked. I know you want to kind of keep the the momentum forward and, and lean toward the idea that people can watch at their own pace, where it's like if, you know, if three is too many to watch very quickly, then, you know, the fourth one might come out before you're done, and then you'll kind of just be keeping pace as the as the whole season hits, but um, but no, I think I think when you're making episodic TV and it's really, really good, then each episode deserves its own time to be you know get to get the spotlight to to be discussed to get broken down <laughs> libby's on board give, I hate to that. give libby time to make fart noises about it like all of those are very important yeah, parts of sure. the tv process and uh i need them and also give me a break like i need a little time to get some of this stuff together like there's interviews to do and there's analysis to write and i write too much so give me a break like just do one all right well skipping ahead to a yp update yp the phrase that you coined libby yeah for i ip that we do not understand uh why it's being (laughs) why 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 p in what what we thought was a pretty hotly contested bidding war, Peacock has landed Bel Air, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the dramatic take on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air that is spawned from a viral YouTube video 
uh, by Morgan Cooper. Will Smith is attached to produce. What do you think of this news? What do you think about Peacock getting it as opposed to, say, an HBO Max or some of the other streamers that were going after it? I'm so confused. Um, uh, On one level, it makes sense. Um, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, when it originally aired, aired on NBC. So it makes sense that it would, in a way, come home um, for this gritty reboot. And hopefully it's executive produced by Dick Wolf and it'll just slide into... It'll launch a new Bel-Air series of series um, I think I'm gonna bring Borowitz back. That's terrifying. <laughs> Which his or mine? All um, of it. Don't. <laughs> no. So it does make sense, uh, although it is it, it does leave me scratching my head. Uh, considering HBO Max uh, has the rights to Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and that is where you would go to stream it. And then Ben, why don't you lay out the additional uh, issue? The additional news that broke shortly before the pickup news came, uh, HBO Max actually announced they were doing a 30th anniversary of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, reuniting the cast, including Will Smith. Um, I don't understand what's happening with this intellectual property specifically, uh, why it seems to be ping-ponging back and forth between two streamers, and ultimately why we care so much about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Libby, I have a question for you in in direct relation to this um, that you can either either say is a sound theory and we'll continue to tinker with it going forward or we can just demiss it immediately right here and now. Do you you think there's a chance that perhaps behind the scenes, deep undercover, in the darkness of, of Burbank, that they're working together to create such mass confusion around these streaming services that eventually people are begging for cable to return. And then they can just be like, oh, well, we've got that. Here you go. We, we had it all along. We never really killed it. Welcome back. Give us our $200 a month and we'll forget this whole streaming thing ever happened. I just can't imagine that's going to happen. That that's That's what's happening here specifically because most everyone I know who's using Peacock is using free Peacock. Um, so it, it doesn't really create as the, the vitals. It, it doesn't subscribe to the vital subscription model that so many other streamers are dependent on. Um, but I like where your head's at. Man, I don't like that free Peacock lends itself so easily to a very awful portmanteau. They should have thought of that before they named it Peacock. I don't know why. I don't know why I'd ever speak on this podcast. How is that I think not it's just giving the Leo episode time, title? But... How is Freecock not the episode <laughs> title? Well, I'm glad we're in such a jovial mood. Because today we're talking about the comedy categories at the Emmys. And that's a segue. <laughs> I was asking before we started recording about these categories. And my main thought is how much are, are the, is the Academy going to love Schitt's Creek and has Maisel fallen that far? Cause that seems to be most of these categories come down to, is it Maisel or is it Schitt's Creek? 
that was what we expected uh, heading into nominations and was basically confirmed. It's interesting. I know Ben was talking last year about really assuming that Maisel had things all locked up heading into the primetime Emmys last year because they did so well at the Creative Arts Emmys the weekend before. Um, But there is a divide because when you're dealing with actors, that's the acting branch voting on them. Um, When you're dealing with crafts specifically, specific um, specifically like cinematography and, and editing, that is that peer group voting on that. Um, so it's not quite linear in the way we would, we would like it to be. Um, but at the same time, I don't know anything. And this is a total clusterfuck. <laughs> ben? <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say really after this is a total clusterfuck. I think that's exactly it. Um, Honestly, I'm I'm most I'm most upset with Bill Hader um, because he was unable to complete a new season of Barry, and had he been able to do that, I would have had a, a much more vested interest in who actually won in a lot of these categories. And I also think that you know, again, had it continued apace with its first two seasons, Barry could very well be the the leader at this point it could have gotten 21 nominations and it could have you know, i would love all the to know what again. happened there um yeah. because they were never on track to no. to release this season not having fleabag obviously this year not having barry seems very cruel for people who who like a little edge on their comedy that they aren't necessarily getting from uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or, or Schitt's Creek or The Good Place. Um, you know, there's, 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 I, I kind of have to get my black comedy in the drama race, which is weird. Um, so it's hard to say, uh, as I, I mentioned, maybe in previous podcasts, I'm actually feeling much higher on Schitt's Creek after the nominations just because that does feel like a buzz cycle. Like I don't hear anyone talking about Maisel ever, but that's sort of the status quo for them. Um, I expect them to still have a really great week at the creative arts semis. Um, and, and we'll have that. That'll be fun. I, I'm actually looking forward to elements of that because those nights are arranged in, in very specific peer groups. Um, and you, I think we'll be able to track who, is leaning which way and and if Maisel's as dominant as it was last year if something's changed um and if god forbid we see a shit's creek sweep all the way across i think i'm gonna go down with the ship like before nominations i was very much on record of being like i'm not buying into the shit's creek hype i think Maisel's gonna be a, a titan and there's certain categories where i've i've as we'll get into, relented a bit on on Schitt's Creek, but uh, to me, <laughs> there's either there's either a bias on my end and the rest of us who don't really love Schitt's Creek, that's that's clouding opinions of how well it can do, or there's a bias of people who've completely bought in, who love Schitt's Creek and think it will do amazingly well, 
And I don't know which way it could go. It could obviously go right down the middle. There's obviously people in both parties who are also going to be the voters. So it's it's just, it's like you said, it's a clusterfuck. But I think on my end, I'm, I'm probably just going to be a stubborn jackass and go down with the ship. Of, no, I mean, I don't Mrs. think there's Mason. anything wrong with that. That's what I've been, I, that's what I was stumping for for months, like arguing against this Shit's Creek narrative, um, which at some point I think these narratives sort of, foster themselves um yeah especially it's like a self-fulfilling in a vacuum, prophecy a little bit uh there was something about uh when the emmy nominations came out there is the the fan base for that show is so loud and so enthusiastic and so in love with it they were very excited and very convinced in the show's chances but the reason i can't completely discount that is that i was exactly the same way last year with fleabag um and you know, so I'm not as confident as I was. So getting into the actual categories themselves for best supporting actress, Ben, you have Yvonne Orji from Insecure. Libby, based on your gold derby, you have Alex Borstein. Ben, in your, in your sort of like your little categories, you have uh, that Yvonne will win. You have could win as Darcy Carden from The Good Place, Annie Murphy from Chits Creek, and Libby's pick, Alex Borstein from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And then you say should win Betty Gilpin Glow. I guess explain yourself. <laughs> Show your work. <laughs> I mean, the the last one that should win, I don't need to. Betty showed it for me. Like that's the most. Uh, this is this is one of the easier picks in the in the should win options available. Like like her work on Glow is outstanding. Like she just does everything. She's given new challenges of in of like anything you can imagine. She's she's been asked to do it on that show, and she does it in a new, creative, fun, exciting way. So, like, Which of your could-win nominees do you think has the best chance of unseating your sort of number one pick right now, Yvonne Orji? Well, first of all, I'll say that the, the safe money is on Alex Borstein, um, especially given that there's eight nominees in the category. The fact that she's won two in a row and she's on the most nominated show and she continues to be just, you know, a... Uh, uh, delightful person as well as a delight, like playing a delightful character. Like she's just somebody that everybody really likes. So it's easy to, to, to continue to vote for her. Um, as well as the fact that there's not a clear alternate. There's not somebody who's like, this is the year for them. This is the thing. This is their time. This is, they had a, the perfect role at the perfect moment and they broke out and they're huge and this is going to happen. Um, so I'd say the safe money's on Alex Borstein, but what, my mind has latched onto this year is the idea that in the supporting actress category, we've seen repeat winners a bunch of times. Like over the last 10 years, we've had, uh, I think three different actresses starting with Julie Bowen on modern family, uh, and ending with presumably Alex Borstein on Marvel's Mrs. Maisel who've won back to back years and then they're done. So with that in mind, Borstein's done. Who else could it be? Uh, I think Darcy Carden has a has a decent shot because she's a fan favorite from the people who love that show. The Good Place has been getting nominations over the years, so it's it's pretty well respected. But it's also her first year nominated, so it's not like there's a huge surge around this person, and it's like she has to win. I don't even remember who's the other person. Shit's Creek, Annie Mur- <laughs> Annie, Annie Murphy. Yeah, that's the it's the Shit's Creek argument we've already talked about before. If there's going to be a sweep, then Annie Murphy would be a part of that, obviously. Uh, but for me, the 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 pick with, with Yvonne was just that she has 
the most bona fides for this particular year if it's not going to be Borstein. Um, Insecure got eight nominations, including a comedy series. It did better than people thought it would do. It had uh, great reviews for its most recent season. She had a stand-up special that came out very recently, pegged to this season. So, like, her name and her character also had a really good arc in season four that people paid attention to. So, like, that could have gotten people to watch or to jump back in. It also could have just stimulated the fan base that had already, you know, been supporting the show and been excited about her. Um, so to me, if, if there's going to be somebody who's not Borstein, then I think it's, it's probably going to be Yvonne. Um, but again, I think I mentioned this at the bottom of the predictions page. (laughs) There's eight nominees, there's eight nominees and there's no one who's like, it's gotta be that one. So safe bets Borstein. And then otherwise it's just a, it's just a best guess. I I find it difficult to argue with any of, of Ben's takes on this category. Um, I have Borstein because I don't know that there's enough unrest in the category to overturn uh, the king, the queen. Um, but if there is, I do think it's Yvonne Orji. But then at the same time, I told I completely wouldn't be surprised if like Kate McKinnon just floated in. She already had won. she already had her too. Like when Ben was was talking, she had her back to back. I mean, like, this is just some, in a category like this, it really feels like it's a, like, who do I, who do I like? Like, like this, this feels very much like a popularity contest um, category, and, and I'm not entirely sure how that shakes out. Well, moving on to another category that has eight nominees, though I think we'd all agree this has a stronger tiered. There's like a, there's definitely a foursome at the top of this eight that you would say the winner is going to come from. Uh, ben, you haven't written about this for the site yet, so I had to pull Libby's Gold Derby. God forbid. And, and Libby has Mahershala, friend of the pod, Mahershala Ali, winning for Rami. Um, and she has them followed by Dan Levy, Tony Shalhoub, and Sterling K. Brown, who I would say are probably the strongest contenders to knock him off of, of Libby's list. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts on the fly on this category? Uh, there's a reason that I haven't written about this yet. Part of it is just scheduling. Part of it is I don't want to. Um, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like this category in the sense that there's actually people who I really would love to see win. I'd love to see Mahershala win, obviously. Sterling, obviously. Andre Brower would be great. William Jackson Harper would be great. Like, there's a lot of people who are really, really exciting. And again, there's a lot of kind of specific cases that could be made for just about anybody pulling this off. I think Mahershala is a great bet. Shaloub is a friggin' juggernaut and all-time spoiler at the Emmys. Like, just somebody who will ruin your night when you thought it was locked up. So, yep. you know, ballot again, buster. hard to bet against him. But uh, I guess on the fly, I'd, I'd probably go with Mahershala as well. This one feels a little bit like, like an indicator. Like, if Shaloub wins this, then... Maybe Maisel wins because I mean, this is a place. Dan Dan Levy is Schitt's Creek. Um, he he's the creator. He's the showrunner. He's one of the stars. Um, so maybe they go. Maybe they really want him on stage giving a speech by himself. Um, maybe they really want to speak that. Maybe they really love the show and and his character's arc was really at the heart of that final season, especially. And, uh, you know, and if that happens, 
maybe it goes Schitt's Creek. Like, like I don't know. Um, so that's why I'm picking Mahershala because I don't want to know what's going to happen for the rest of the ceremony. I just want them to give good people things. Well, moving on. Speaking of Schitt's Creek to Best Actress, Ben, you and Libby are in agreement here that Catherine O'Hara will likely take home this award, followed in your rankings by Issa Rae for Insecure, Rachel Brosnahan for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and then Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini from Dead to Me and Tracy Ellis Ross from Blackish. In your could win, you obviously have Issa Rae and Rachel Brosnahan. Um, again, it, it seems like it comes down to what's in the voters' minds. At this point, we're sort of circling the drain with these three shows, Insecure, Shits Creek, and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And it just depends where their heads are at. In this case, I'd love to see Issa play a spoiler, but I don't think she is. I, I just don't think it's her time. And and Brosnahan's great. I love Brosnahan. She has won before. And I don't know how how vital they feel it is to, to award her again, I guess, for that role, at least right now. Um, I realize that runs counter to everything I said before nominations, but it's Catherine O'Hara and she's really gunning for it. And she is doing these interviews and, and it seems pretty clear she wants to win this Emmy. And um, I think she hasn't won since 1982. That's exactly. when she, she, she her, her only other Emmy win is in 1982 for SCTV. Same with Lovey, right? He hasn't yep. won. Yeah. He won in 82 and 83. He has two. Right. And th- this is the one thing that I think everybody pretty much agrees on when it comes to Schitt's Creek is that Catherine O'Hara is great. So like even even before nominations came around and Schitt's Creek had its surge, it seemed like this was going to be their best chance to win. Now it seems like it's as close as they've got to a lock, even though, again, there is still intense competition and there are spoilers available. But the fact that she hasn't won in so long, the fact that... Um, among the cast, this seems to be like the favorite character, the 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 really possibly you know kind of uh, landmark character that people will quote and reference and send gifts around for years to come. Um, and also, it's Catherine O'Hara, like she's great. So th- it seems like because um, if there's going to be any sort of urgency behind Schitt's Creek this year, this is the one that that would carry the most of that. Would would where people would be like, we really don't want to miss out on this chance. So I don't know if I buy it for the whole show. I don't know if I buy it in every other category, but I, I am buying into it this time around. So it feels like a role that every actress in Hollywood hopes is waiting for her when they get to Catherine O'Hara's age. And, and I think maybe giving her that award is positive reinforcement for creation of roles for older women in Hollywood. Now I will say that um, I do have I do have one source that I trust uh, pretty strongly when it comes to these things, and they've got Rachel Brosnahan at the at the top of the list. Um, I don't know what they're thinking. I haven't talked to them yet, but luckily they're here on the podcast. Oh uh, boy, Rude man! Could you tell us uh, how you chose Rachel Brosnahan in your in your rankings? Well, I will say <laughs> I will say as I was quickly clicking through all the Gold Derby categories, I think I was just still mentally in a state of mind where I, I don't believe the Shit's Creek hype, and I just think that she won this award two years ago. I think the only thing that stopped her from winning it, winning it last year was Phoebe Waller Bridge. Uh, sort of once in a lifetime, it sort of captured every the zeitgeist in a certain way. And I think like if Phoebe Waller-Bridge isn't there, she probably wins last year. And so I don't know. Oh, there you. 
And so I don't know if there's that big a dip in terms of mazel quality from season two to season three. Say what you will about season one to season two. But season two to season three to say like, oh, she's no longer the person that we thought, she, like she's still the same caliber of actress and doing the same thing in this role. So I just, I just think it feels like if last year hadn't happened the way it did, she probably wins that award and she probably is waltzing towards this award. I mean, last year she would have lost to Julia Louis-Dreyfus <laughs> if not for Phoebe Right, because everyone loves final seasons of comedies. Shit's Creek. <laughs> uh, Shit's Creek is going to prove us all wrong. Shit's Creek. That's, that that's does... the other thing about Shit's Creek is that it seems to violate everything else you guys have taught me about how these television academies award things. This is the only rule you need about the Emmys is that you can have every rule and then a show will come in and destroy everything, all of your beautiful models and like <laughs> logically laid out plans. I totally agree with your with your Brosnahan argument because I was the one making it six months ago. But at the same time, the longer I sit on it, the more I think she won for the first season. She would have won for the second season. Would she have won for the third season or are they ready to move on? And the idea is that the window closed last year, like that yeah. they were going to give her, they were going to give her back to back and say, we're now done with Maisel. I, it, I can't imagine that the window is closed because Maisel is still so strong. And then the other thing to point out is, is like Julia and like so many other categories, they are willing to do that. They are willing to keep giving people the same award over and over and over again. We talk about it as prognosticators and we talk about it as viewers who want to see turnover and are like, you know what? They've had their time. I can see voters being like, we're done with this. We're going to move on to the next person. And there is always that year where, you know, Mad Men stops winning and Modern Family stops winning and the juggernauts go away. Um, but usually you see that in more than just like one category. It's usually like a nominations dip goes way down. So I, I support the rude man argument of Rachel Brosnahan with the idea being Maisel is still incredibly strong. Uh, and they're very, very, very okay with giving people two, three, four trophies for the same role. So so you both have Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek. And surprise, surprise, you both have Eugene Levy from Schitt's Creek in the Best Actor race. Uh, ben, in your could win, you have Ted Danson, who's been nominated 18 times, but only won twice for Cheers in 1990 and 1993. And then well, you have... Uh, they like rewarding the same people over and over again for the same iconic roles, which is why he has so many Emmys. <laughs> is that... I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, that was Ben's argument. Sorry, that was Ben's argument. That was Ben's argument, and I don't even know if I'm going to keep it in because he was talking about my bad my bad faith argument and Maisel. Your could win category, you have Ted Danson for The, for the Good Place. As I just mentioned, he's been nominated 18 times. And then Rami Youssef for Rami. Um, which of those do you think has the strongest chance of, you know, knocking Eugene Levy off the perch? And also, what if, what, what if poor Don Cheadle? Ten, ten nominations <laughs> and no wins. That, that poor guy needs to look into exactly why he can't get momentum going. But um, objectively, I think Rami has the best shot, chance to beat Eugene Levy because he's new. And he, he won the Globe which isn't really a, a like a, a predictor of anything, but you know, it gave him a boost and gave him awareness and 
possibly helped him get the nomination in the first place. Um, but he's also the the writer, director, showrunner of the show. Like they like honoring those kind of people. We've seen Bill Hader succeed that way in, in the best actor category the last two years. So that's been that's something. Like Donald Glover had a, had a similar boon. So if they do feel strongly enough about Rami, this could be like, okay, well, obviously we honor the guy who's it, it's named after, who's making it. We'll put him at number one. Um, on my end, the Ted Danson thing is baffling. I really honestly think that people like him on liked him on Cheers, gave him a bunch of nominations for that show, honored him for that show, uh, continued liking him for years afterwards, and he'd keep kind of popping in and get nominations. Um but I don't know if they're paying enough attention to exactly like the work that he's doing, because if the, if you really watch him on The Good Place, he's doing a lot of new stuff and he's challenged himself and he's created a new character and he's really become kind of the, the heart of that or he became the heart of that show um, so much that it you know he gets the final scene and he gets the final word and he gets kind of the, the final message. But he had so many moments within that that I don't think anybody could really replicate or or even pull off the way that Ted Danson did. Like, I think that he was instrumental to the success of that series um, and that he never took it for granted. He never just kind of coasted on his own, you know, star power or charisma or anything like that. So I, I really wish he'd get a win. Like, I really, I really wish he'd win for this. I really think he deserves it. Um, but it has felt like for a while that, that people just are kind of like, I love Ted Danson. People say he's good in this. I like him. I'll get him the nomination, but there's just not that same urgency of like, we got to give him another award. Um, so that's why I'm kind of sticking with Levy at this point, And then would probably go Rami number two, but you know, heart of hearts, give Ted Danson an Emmy, you cowards. I will say this category of, many- of all the comedy categories is the most stacked in terms of nomination count. Uh, Cause even though Rami only has two, you have Eugene Levy with 13 and we mentioned earlier, he won in 82 and 83 Danson with 18, winning twice. Don Cheadle with 10. Anthony Anderson with 9. And then Michael Douglas with 8. And he won for uh, portraying Liberace in Behind the Candelabra. Ben, I don't think I don't think you have these. Obviously, you don't have these anywhere. I didn't check your gold derby. Uh, Libby, you have, for comedy writing, you have the What We Do in the Shadows episode collaboration taking this award. Other strong contenders are... The Good Place finale, whenever you're ready. And the Schitt's Creek finale, happy ending. And then there's two other What We Do in the Shadows ep- episodes, including the Jackie Daytona episode on the run. I have a question. So as we can all see, like uh, on Gold Derby right now, Collaboration is actually has the best odds to win this for whatever reason. Uh, before we were recording, Ben asked me why I thought that was, and I gave him a very, very great answer. But let me pose a different question. Um, if that episode was titled Jackie Daytona, <laughs> would it be winning hands down? Yes. That's what I think too. Uh, I, I feel like this is a question. I, I don't know if you're directing that as um, would it be winning in reality, like voters would be more prone to vote for it because they'd recognize Jackie Daytona, or would it be winning in the Gold Derby rankings because <laughs> the experts don't recognize that that's the show that they're talking about, and thus the odds would I don't shift. Know. Uh, I mean, both, but I I do think that there's a real. I would not have been able to tell you what the title of the Jackie Daytona episode was. I just assumed it was Jackie Daytona. Um, 
that that's i think a problem like especially when you are getting nominations for episodes that are just kind of like in the middle of your season so many writing and directing nominations i think we see uh premieres and finales which in that same regard then the advantage here would go to happy ending from Shit's creek because it literally has the word ending in it so then voters are going to be like we know this is the series finale like we know this is the ending of the show we're gonna scan the list for the rest of them and be like i don't remember but i know that that's the finale and we should honor it check the box right but they love what we do in the shadows they want to vote for what we do in the shadows so they're going down the list They're like, I want to vote for what we do in the shadows. I don't remember what any of these fucking episodes are. It wasn't the ghost masturbation one. Uh, Let's go with the first one listed, which would be collaboration. There you go. Here's my question. How much of sort of the cult of personality of the writer will influence this category? Because obviously you have Michael Schur penning the the Good Place finale. Uh, You have Stephanie Robinson. You have Dan Levy. Is some of that just like, I want to award Michael Schur for all of the Good Places work. I want to award, I'm I'm all in on Schitt's Creek, so I'm giving Schitt's Creek everything. No. No, none? I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that way, but now, I mean, I'm looking back and I'm looking back at the writing winners and you're not wrong. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Winners, yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Amy Sherman-Palladino. Aziz and Lena, Aziz Ansari and Lena Waithe for Master of None, Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang for Master of None, and then Louis C.K., and then the, the, the 30 Rock finale, and Louis C.K. again. And that is why I have, as Rube Man, have the Whenever You're Ready, The Good Place episode winning this category, in spite of all the What We Do in the Shadows love. For comedy directing, we have... <sighs> Libby, you have It's Comedy or Cabbage... Uh, which is the Amy Sherman Palladino episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, I think I picked uh, the Mia Khalifa.mov episode of Rami. Uh, but obviously, there's a, I think, Uncle Derby, the odds are in happy ending for Shit's Creek's favor, but I might be wrong about that. How do you see this shaking out, Ben, since Libby is already is on the record as, as thinking it, it's going to be Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Uh, I've got Maisel at the moment as well. It's it's just really hard for me to imagine a world in which the directors in particular would look at Schitt's Creek and say, this is where we really want to honor the show, um, especially compared to a lot of the other nominees in the category, which are just more formally challenging than what you cut together for Schitt's Creek, even even with the finale. Um, so I, I'm I'm a little torn in the sense that you know, Amy Sherman Palladino won recently. Um, she didn't win last year. They might want to go with the other Maisel director just to spread it out. They might just like that episode. They might like. They might just like you know another finale, or they might really want to give it to the great for some reason. I don't know. But if you look at at, at the the trends in in direction for the last decade or so, after Modern Family was done dominating this category weirdly it was then joey soloway who won twice in a row for transparent which was a comedy doing very risky things um then it was donald glover for atlanta and then it was amy sherman palladino for Maisel, which was you know different than than a lot of the things on there and then it was harry bradbeer uh for fleabag which is another very directorial thing it's not schitt's creek 
there are a lot of opportunities for the Television Academy to uh, award Schitt's Creek. I do not think it will be in this category. Should we move on to the category where it might happen? Best yes. comedy series? So, it, it, again, we're, we're sort of left with, I think, the, the three favorites across the board. Ben, you have The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel winning, but your could wins are Schitt's Creek and Insecure. Uh, Libby, you have Schitt's Creek on Gold Derby right now. What We Do in the Shadows is also in the mix, potentially the only legitimately laugh-out-loud comedy in the group of eight. Again, it, this, this final comedy series category comes down to that same distinction. Is it going to be Marvelous Maisel holding steady? Is Schitt's Creek, the wave of Schitt's Creek, going to overtake it? Or will the Academy do something you know, new and reward something like Insecure or What We Do in the Shadows? So yeah, it's down to these same two shows. That's the way it's been the entire podcast, which I get is very tiring, but is how a lot of these races um, come down in the end. Uh, you're going to have your one or two dominant shows. The the thing that I love about this year is that it's going to be really exciting to watch, I think, because I'm not 100% on what's going to win. Um, I think things, there's still a lot of potential that things get really weird. And that's obviously what I'm rooting for. It's much easier to write about. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just afraid I don't have great insight into this that we haven't repeated ad nauseum already. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good two horse race. We know why we've established the ground rules, and even like unless one is trending toward a sweep by the time they announce comedy series, we're really not going to know who the winner is until they say it. So um, at this point, I am I'm going down with Maisel. We'll see where it goes, um, and then quietly hoping for the surprise. Quietly hoping that. You know, the momentum since the nominations came out has built around some of the ones that didn't necessarily have it across the board, and maybe we'll see a little a little FX surprise come come Emmy night. But um, but yeah, I, I think, I, to me, still, Schitt's Creek has more of a Friday Night Lights kind of vibe where, like, a couple of the actors and a couple, like, maybe the writing will get key Emmys, and that'll be the acknowledgement, while the juggernaut that is beloved across the board will continue to, to rack up a, a series win or another series win but we'll see it's gonna um, be let's hope for craziness let's hope for surprises that's hard to argue with uh i'm absolutely gonna be changing my predictions right until they lock things down because i i just can't i can't make up my mind i think my I goal think is gonna happen my goal as root man is not to change my predictions at all no matter what has been said or done just whatever my gut told that's me the spirit buddy jim parsons <laughs> for life Jim Parsons for life. Millions of screens, the production of the Penske Media Corporation, anywhere. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Dana Harris Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite Ted Danson roles include Three Men and a Baby, Bored to Death, and Saving Private Ryan. That's right, he's in that. Yo, I always forget he's in that when he pops up. Uh,. Our millions of screens Ted Danson endorsement is Fargo season two. Oh God, so good! You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T Travers and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. 
shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.